You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. My name is Ben. I'm here with Matt. Yep, I'm here, and I'm. Who's he's drinking? Uh, what are you drinking there, Matt? This is a Amazon, Amazon Energy Drink from Amazon.com, or just Amazon in the general. This is know, from the Jungle Bit. From the Jungle. Okay. Heard, heard of it? <laughs> they have a lot of energy there. I think uh, it's, it's like kind of cute. You've got a straw in it. It's like a can, but you've got a straw in the can, which yeah. makes it look kind of cute. I do. I'm sipping my <laughs> energy drink with a straw. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I went a little bit at a time. I went to the, yeah, just a little hit. <laughs> uh-huh. I went to the grocery store this afternoon and, uh, and this, sometimes I get these little Amazon energy drinks when I go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And today I thought, you know what? I don't want to put my mouth on this can. <laughs> Cause who knows, who knows, right? Who knows? Where the can spin. Yeah. I want to have pleasure in my mouth, not viruses. Yep. Yep. So I decided to get a straw out of my drawer and mm-hmm. I shoved it in the hole of the can and now mm-hmm. I'm sipping it hmm. like well, this. Like this. That's a, that sounds like a perfectly, yep. And, and then the side benefit is that it looks cute. So, <laughs> which Thanks. I know is a big goal of yours. Speaking of cute, I don't need to look cute. I don't need to look cute, but. No. Uh, speaking of cute, we have some workshops coming up. Thank How's you. that? Was that a good segue? That's, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Right. No, okay. we, uh, yeah, we do. Uh, one of them is parenting in grace and truth during a crisis. Yes. yes. Parent, parenting, parenting in a pandemic, grace and truth in quarantine. How do we parent and disciple our kids when they're driving us crazy, uh, when we're spending way more time with them than we're used to, when we're supposed to school them as well as get our own work done, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that's coming up May 16th. Yep. Um, from one to four. It's a Saturday. It's online, obviously. Because uh, we're still in uh, Corona tide here. Yep. But Matt, Matt, you're going to lead that. Yeah. I hope. No, I'm in, okay, I'm good. in. I'm all in. Oh, fan- fantastic! That's good news for me. Um. So Matt's going. Matt, you're going to lead that. What? Um. Why might people want to hang out for three hours on a Zoom call and learn about parenting? 
Yeah, if you're tired of yelling at your kids, bribing them, threatening them, ignoring them, giving them screens nonstop, just trying to placate the complaining and arguing, uh, and if you feel like your anxiety is raising and you would like to actually have a relationship with your child (laughs) beyond just managing their behavior, shouting at them across the room, telling them, no, don't stop. Uh, So I'm just naming everything that's happening in my life. But uh, there's a, there's a a few ways that we train people to engage relationships where you are able to draw clear boundaries, set clear expectations, give clear instructions, but also uh, be very present, mm-hmm. very attuned and connected uh, to your children at the same time. And so we have a very, I think, um, simple yet elegant tool that we use. Very memorable. You can memorize it in 10 seconds. Uh, it's our grace and truth matrix. And we're going to train in that. So bring all your problems. Yeah, bring your questions, bring your yes. frustrations, and we're going to talk through how to handle situations. And I'm going to give mm. some. I'm going to give some I'm going to give some imagination on, on how to actually make the quarantine uh, a time of actually establishing some healthy family patterns and rhythms rather than just hanging on by your fingernails. Yes, that sounds amazing. That sounds well, really great. Um I so, I I I'm a not, hopefully I didn't overpromise and I won't Yeah, yeah now you now you got to now you got to come uh, come through for us. Oh. No, but and I think anytime uh any time just spent being a little bit more intentional um, and taking this, I do think this is an opportunity, you know, there's an opportunity hidden within the the crisis here. Yes. Um, and that is we get to rethink a little bit of like, okay, what do we, like, what are the regular things, the patterns that we want to engage in uh, with yes. our kids um, and that kind of thing. So anyway, yeah. commend that to you. Uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Otherwise you can just go to gravityleadership.com slash parenting dash online. Um, yes, and then also this weekend, this Saturday, May 9th, from 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, I'm leading a, an Enneagram and stress workshop. It's all about how we can use the lens of the Enneagram as a wisdom yeah. tool to help us see and understand what's happening uh, in our hearts and in yep. our bodies, even, as stress comes upon us and the different ways that different Enneagram types seem to react to that stress, the different ways we try to get our needs met, and how we can uh, apply that as a... Another opportunity um, for us uh, during Corona Tide uh, to maybe think more deeply about our spiritual formation and yep. um, how we can use the Enneagram as a lens to, to grow. I had one of these so, conversations with my wife, parenthetically, yeah. earlier this week. We both went into An Enneagram stress. conversation? Oh, well, we both went into stress at the same time. Oh, and yeah. And the yeah. bad news of our Enneagram type came out, and we were just like hurling it at each other. Hurling bad news at each other. It, it was great. It ended really well. We actually had a good yeah. conversation about it afterwards, but you know, that it, kind of stuff happens in a, when you're quarantined. It does. It does. And because, and we respond differently. And so sometimes the things that other people are doing seem crazy. Like, why yes. are they doing that? That's crazy. That's why like, are you well, they're, crazy? yeah, yeah. Well, they're doing something different because they're different from you. So mm-hmm. anyway, and I found it so helpful to understand, you know, why my wife reacts under stress differently than I do. And, how, and what my kids do and all of that kind of thing. It's been really, really uh, helpful. So I hope you join us for that as well. Um, yeah. I don't think there's anything else we need to say about this interview. Um, Angie Ward uh, is, uh, uh, she's a, a leader that um, we've come into contact. When, when did we come into contact with her? A few few years ago? She contacted like us. That. Yeah. She lives she in the same town as us. I was like, hey, you guys. Yeah. 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 I listen to your podcast. So, anyway. Can I take you to lunch? 
Yes. So anyway, it's all about um, leading as a woman, um, which uh, if you're a woman and you've uh, tried to lead something, you know that in and of itself is a desert story. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so anyway, part of our Desert Stories series, enjoy this interview with Angie Ward and hope to see yes. you at a workshop this weekend or next. Peace, yep. friends. Angie Ward, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So good to be on the call or here seeing you in Zoom. Yes, we're across across Indianapolis. Yes. We have appropriate social distance. Appropriate, yes. We're recording this uh, (laughs) seven days into the global pandemic, the coronavirus pandemic. And so, yeah. I was really careful not to use your microphone today, Ben, because you put Mm, your lips. I get right up on it. Your lips are all over it. That is uh, appropriate microphone uh, etiquette for audio distancing. Yeah, but but, you know, maybe not for germs. Yeah, don't. Uh, Yeah, don't distance everything except for your um your microphone. Keep your own microphones. Yeah, Um, Angie, you are a pastor. Have been a pastor, and you're transitioning to the academic world. Would you give us a brief introduction? Who you are and where you're going. Yes. Uh, so, um, yeah, I actually have not been a pastor. I've been a ministry leader, not I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Angie. Yeah. I'm sorry. A yeah. ministry leader. No, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Um, I'm married to a pastor. Um, oh. And so uh, we've been on the south side of Indianapolis for the last eight years. So I'm a, a ministry and leadership um, teacher, writer, coach, consultant, um, doing that on a, a variety of kind of um gigs various places but uh and uh moving in a couple weeks from when we're recording this to denver colorado um to denver seminary to take a position as assistant director of the doctor of ministry which as one friend said that's a lot of words um but i'll be uh working with doctoral students at denver seminary which is uh, where my husband and i met and married so we were kind of going back to where we where it all began as we are now new empty or open nesters yeah uh, and doing some ministry there. and Open yeah. nesters. I've never heard that term. Yes, I heard it from someone several years ago, and I can't remember who because I really should credit them for that. But it's, I think it's, it's more accurate because they yeah. come back and forth for a like, while. Yeah, they come back and forth. It's not like they're gone forever. Yeah. Open right. nesters. Yeah. It's kind of... Yeah. It's kind of I don't know. I'm I'm thinking about that. I'm uh, I, I'm I about you four like years away. I'm about four years away from empty nest and so or open nest. Well, and then the, <laughs> and then your school son's university cancels classes. And oh yeah, they're back in the nest. Yeah. While Our, while you're selling the nest. Yeah. Oh to move. Yeah. Oh, that makes it very complicated. Yeah. That yes. is complicated. Yes. Uh, yeah. So he'll be on the streets uh, when you guys leave for Denver next <laughs> yeah. week. Yeah. Yep. Thanks, <laughs> yeah, coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so Thanks Angie, for nothing. <laughs> Angie, you've written a book um, called I Am a Leader, When Women Discover the Joy of Their Calling. And we want to talk to you today about leadership as a woman and the particularities yeah. uh, that surround that. But first, I'd love to hear your story. Um, a lot of women who find themselves in leadership positions in churches uh, didn't grow up with women models or mentors for that. And I'd love to hear your story. Uh, Did did you have women leaders as a young person that you looked up to and modeled yourself off of? Or did you, were you raised or grew up in a tradition that most of the leaders were men? The latter. I grew up in a tradition where most of the leaders, formal 
Well, Sunday school teachers were women. And right. so I, I mean, but, but that was kind of the accepted role, you know, but nobody, we didn't really, the church I grew up in didn't, um, it was contemporary evangelical fundamentalist to- overtones, you know, but, yeah. but they didn't, you know, they didn't really, but it wasn't like a hot button issue. Like I never remembered a sermon, like women can't do this or that mm. type of thing. It was just mm. that everything modeled for me was men, you know? Yeah. And so, so I went off to our denominational college, uh, outside of Chicago and I was a youth ministry major and a bunch of, you know, women in that thing. And so they, so in at college, there was no, it was kind of, if, you know, it was men and women in the program and there was no teaching against it or anything like that. And it really wasn't until I got into the ministry world that I started to realize, Oh, some people have a, have an issue with this. Hmm. Um, yeah. And so, um, and yeah, it wasn't. And, and so it was really several years out of college. I started realizing, and, and as a, as a girl, I was called the, you know, I was bossy, you know, like oh. leadership, and, you know, and leadership mm. wasn't like a, a, a term that people were using. It was like before the rise of like, you know, just this whole leadership field and, and applied to ministry. And so it was more like, it was just my role, pastor, you know, kind of thing. And, yeah. and um, mm. leadership really wasn't a, a gift or a, any of that stuff talked about, like, like that, that I now majored in and have a doctorate in, you yeah. know, that wasn't a thing. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Um, it was more just uh, a, a title that predominantly men had. And it was yeah. like, you're, yeah, you're, you're sort of in charge of a church or you're the leader. It, yeah, yeah. It was in tied with position, yeah. like a, a positional title and rather than so, a function. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Huh. And, uh, but I remember, uh, one time in college I was, I was leading something and, and, uh, you know, coordinating something. And then, um, uh, one of our staff, like in student, student life said, Hey, wow, great leadership. And I was like, Oh, Oh, that's oh, what that is. is you know, that it's what kinda, I just did. <laughs> is that yeah? And oh, and that was a good thing, you know, kind of thing. And um, you didn't find me I, bossy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I probably was at the point. Yeah, I was, I had a lot to the. I had a lot of. Um, I had to learn to channel some things. For sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 As we all do, you sure. know. But um, and then worked at a that's Christian a camp for a year, like a full-time camp. So I was in charge of all of our volunteer staff. We had 7,000 people a year coming through there. And then wow. so I was in charge of all of our staff. And so I really, I was doing leadership development, yep. you know, and started realizing that's what that was. Right. I realized that I loved doing that. And then, um, and then went to seminary. I went to Denver, which is very open to men and women training okay. for ministry. And people said, did you come? Did you come here because it's egalitarian? I was like, I, I don't know what that is. I came here because God called me to Denver <laughs> right. seminary. I really so, didn't know there was such a big deal about it. So this is yeah, this is interesting, Angie. So you you found yourself leading without angling for leadership, and other people had absolutely to, other people had to name it as leadership for you to even recognize it as such. Yes, and then yeah. you found yourself in an environment that actually uh, affirmed you as a leader, but you didn't choose it for that reason. Right. I was oblivious to all that <laughs> at the time. Yeah, at the time. So then when did you, yeah. so how did you come to realize that you being a leader would be a problem for some people? Um, so a little bit when I worked at that camp, there was like an opportunity to give a talk and, and, and some of the staff were saying, well, we should have a guy do that. You know, mm. and I was like, well, that's, that's, it just struck me as odd. Like, well, why not? I mean, I'm yeah. competent. Like, 
I'm capable. Yeah. I'm competent. I'm, I'm probably more trained than a lot of these others, you know, those yeah. were their own staff. So it just seemed, well, where's that coming from? You yeah. know, so that, and huh. then, um, uh, then I met and uh, married my husband um, in, at Denver seminary. And so we thought, man, this is going to be, be great. We've got like, um, you know, we're, we're the dynamic duo as far as, you know, all the ministry experience and skills. And so we're going to be this ministry um, power couple, not like I wanted to be on like, uh, you know, a big platform or something, but like, man, we can do some really cool things, you know, for the kingdom kind of thing. Um, and then we, so um, I was applying to youth ministry jobs. He was applying to pastoral jobs. And so really it was kind of in the context of living things out in our marriage that I started realizing people had assumptions and expectations about what my role would be being married to a pastor oh, yeah. and what I could and could not do. And, and so like our first church um, in Minnesota, Dave was, pastor of young adult ministries and part of the terms of the, the of the call so the letter we got was that um uh that i would not be employed at another church huh. and but also there was a policy that i could not be on staff at that our church oh <laughs> yes yeah only one of y'all can work in a church it, no, well, at a time interesting. yeah that's really what it, yeah that's yeah. what it was um and and so i was like so and at the time i wasn't I was called the youth ministry in general, not particularly to a church, but I felt like that just really limited a lot of where I was going to, you know, for sure, how, where I yeah. could potentially exercise that, you know, and, hmm. and, and at the time, I'm like, okay, I get it. I mean, I get the reasons why you would not have husband and wife employed at a, you know, same, you know, church, there, there's good and bad reasons for all that. But so, um, yeah, so there were definitely expect some some congregants had under expectations of what like a pastor's wife and some pastors of the other pastors' wives. That's mm. where sometimes I've found the most questioning. Interesting is from others' pastors' wives who don't know what to do with, didn't know what to do with me yeah. because I didn't fit the stereotype that you know some church cultures have. You know, I didn't, I wasn't yeah. meek and mild. I was a, I'm a jock. You know, I was a sports writer. <laughs> I, I played guitar and not piano. You know, I, I oh. didn't, I didn't sew my own, you know, clothes or I, I just didn't fit. I was just, yeah. and in seminary, even in seminary, yeah. I felt like I fit more with the, the guys going for, and it wasn't a egalitarian school, but um, there weren't as many women still going for like master of divinity and stuff. Okay. So, but I felt like I fit more with the, the MDiv guys than the, than their wives. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a woman student there, yes. you know, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, and so I just, I just, mostly I just didn't feel like I fit for many, 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 many years. This podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy, our 10-month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture. In Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you, so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission, and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com academy. I've heard other women say this, and you actually talk about this in your book. You talk about the unique obstacles that some women have yeah. uh, when they want to become a leader, a recognized leader in the church, or they go towards ministry or church leadership. And I hear you saying one of the obstacles is, 
I didn't fit the sort of the standard stereotypical, uh, you know, 20th century model of what a woman should be in America. Yeah. And there were other women who were like throwing shade at me. which is surprising it's like shots fired from within your own gender camp um right and how did you like what why do you think like i've heard other women tell me why they thought like other women have have echoed the same thing with me angie with us and i've said the 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 opposition i got the most sort of vehemently was from other women and they they said i think it was because they were jealous Like there, there was There's some freedom or something. Yeah, like you, you are exhibiting freedoms that I was never able to have, and your yeah. freedom threatens all these agreements I've made to sort of keep myself in line. Um, yeah, which I think I, I don't have. It's above my pay grade to make those sort of psychological evaluations mm. uh, for people I don't know. Yeah. But I'm just wondering, like, how did you understand that, and how did you navigate that? Well, again, I just thought it was odd. Like, I, and I would challenge and question and be like, um, so. Uh, if I didn't go on the women's retreat, I'd get this, you know, kind of thing, you know, and because I wasn't like a women's ministry person, you know, like I remember that our church did a, they were going to, they said, going to have a women's ministry event, wear white, and we're going to have tea and play lawn games. And I was like, that, it just didn't resonate with me. And, and so I didn't know what to do with them to me. And they, and, and uh, there's an, um, and so I would just, well, I'm, I'm not going to go on the retreat. And they're like, why not? And I'm like, well, why do I need to? And, um, uh, well, it's just, it was just these assumptions, you know, that when you yeah. challenge them. And I remember one time there was some event going on in like a fellowship hall and I was with another pastor's wife and I, I looked in the window and she goes, don't let them see you. I'm like, why not? She said, because we're, we're not there. They'll wonder why we're not attending. I was like, I don't care. Yeah. And she, she was just like aghast at that, you know, and just kind of, Oh, you're such a rebel, you know? And, Hmm. and I don't know where that there's just this social contract kind of thing, this understanding of like, this is, this is outside my paradigm and I don't know what to do with, you know, they were, and you know, and it was new to me. And so, so you, you always kind of felt like a woman out of women's ministry. Like a fish out of water. Yeah. Like, and well, yeah. 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 And so you're kind of breaking stereotypes. You're you you're finding yourself doing things that other women around you weren't doing. Mm. So then, how did you develop, Angie? Maybe your theology or or vision for how to lead as a woman. Like, where does that come from? Maybe maybe even in scripture, you have examples of things you look to to give you kind of a model or a map of how to grow. Yeah. Well, so first I want to say, like, I, I, I started questioning, like, did God make a mistake with how he made me? What's wrong mm, with me? Sure. Was yeah. the message because I didn't fit in any place. And, and, and so I, I, you know, I tried to, you know, change to be quieter and to not speak up, but yet I would walk into a room and people would look to me to lead. Like I'm a, I'm a leader. That's where the title of the book comes from, you know? Mm. And, and, um, so for a long time, I just wrestled with feeling like I'm not who I'm, uh, apparently I'm failing at who I'm supposed to be as a woman. I you should know, enjoy I'm supposed to be. the tea parties and I should enjoy women's ministry events. I should, I should be different than I am. I'm the problem. Yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah. I'm the problem. Definitely. And, um, and so when we moved then to North Carolina and um, again, I just felt like it was hard for me to, and, and so some of my, the limitations have been because I'm married to the pastor in our church. And so I'm like a DNA creator shaper as I 
come to understand myself, you know, and, and live into that. And, and so there's ways I can't lead at that level be- mm-hmm. at my church, my own church, because my husband's, you know, in, I can't lead through him. It's not right. And painting and leading together are things we shouldn't do too closely together. Dave and I need a, a space to like big enough for both of uh-huh. us. So, hmm. so through all that um, and our kids were like toddlers um, and, and uh, so I was at home with them a lot. I just felt very isolated and like, um, and some of the assumption at some churches and we were even at a egalitarian church at that point, And I still felt frustrated, you know, and, um, uh, and so we were our previous church in Minnesota, when the boys were born, some, one of the pastors said, I hear you're um, stepping down from doing some youth ministry, um, to parent because you have kids now. And I was like, Hmm. No, you made that decision for I mean me and hmm. and I never the assumption was that once I had kids, any other call God had put on me for ministry had was swept away. Yeah. And it was replaced by that. And I never but I never heard God say that. I yeah. mean, other people were saying that was the assumption. So so yeah. fast forward, I'm sitting there in uh, in North Carolina Barnes and Noble and going like, God, what do you want for me? What did I mishear you going to sin? I mean, what I feel like I'm kind of languishing what's going on and, and just kind of reflecting on even my experiences as um, captain of our basketball team in high school and how I was developing leaders at camp. And even um, uh, I was working fast food in high school and college and training the people. And so I've been, I, this theme of like leadership and leadership development kind of came through and God just went like, you're a leader. That's when I, you know, that's when I wrote like, really, I, it's who I am. It's not just, it's not just based on whether I have a particular role or position. And I think then I started living into and listening. um, I started listening to, okay, God, what do you say about this? Yes. And about me, not, not everybody else's voices that I was very fearful of. Um, So that kind of started a long journey, but this book actually, the process of writing, it was very uh, healing and growing because I talked to a bunch of 50 other women, you know, who said, I me too. Me yes, too, you know, yes. and I remember speaking, I was um, writing for Leadership Journal mm. that led to a speaking invitation for our conference at Elmbrook Church, which was Stuart and Jill Briscoe's church yeah. at the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I, I met some other women leaders. That's the first time I met, really saw people like me. It was a women's leadership conference. And I um, was in the green room and I was just like, oh, there's this, I'm not alone, oh, you know. God. How and long ago was that, Angie? How long ago was that? That was... 2004 so about 15 years ago. so we're talking like decades of full-time ministry experience mm-hmm. before yeah. you felt like you could see yourself in somebody else yes crazy yes i, I just want to say i just want to share like i don't like as a guy i have never experienced that all mm-hmm. i all i have are models or uh uh, things that I can ascribe to. And even though I think Ben and I do a lot of work at Gravity Leadership to say, hey, we don't fit sort of the type A uh, kind of uh, macho sort of leadership that passes for, you know, what what needs to happen in the church. So even though we feel right. a little, there's still like never a question about whether we can lead or not based upon our gender. And when my kids were right. born, nobody ever questioned whether or not I was going to continue to be a pastor, you know? Right. And and right. I and if I skipped the men's retreat, nobody was uh, aghast. A gog, right. you know, right? And so I, I feel like I, whew, decades of being in ministry without 
anybody validating and affirming the calling in your life, like I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I mean, that's, yeah. I, you know, I, I just want to recognize that that's really hard, Angie. And I think yeah. I could see myself quitting if I didn't get that or, Well, and we see that's why so many for a long time women are going to the marketplace and they're going to the academy because uh, that is where it's more acceptable or or parachurch. They're doing campus ministry. Lots of parachurch. You know, and so in youth ministry, I really I mean, I did have opportunities and I was doing some, you know, good ministry, you know, but there was still. Uh, I was the the compliment to the guy was the main, you know, well, the guy should be the main person. You you know, we need some females, but like, you know, that type of thing. That was just kind of the under- like a garnish. I was, a garnish. I was the parsley. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that yeah. I think that's really, it's really important. I was just talking with a woman the other day who is called to be a leader and just like one of the things that she was lamenting was the same thing. She, like she, she's wrestling with kind of moving into something that everybody around her now is saying that you're called to this. You're called to this. Uh, we see this in you. We affirm this. Um, but part of the voice that she's wrestling with is this other voice in the back of her head that says like, well, why hasn't anybody said anything for 20 years? You know, right. why, why is this just now happening? You know what I mean? Like, are you sure? You know, like maybe, right. maybe those other people were right. And so uh, there is just a mountain, I think, sometimes of, of pain. Under yeah, there, and self, or, just self-doubt and questioning. Yeah, just not being seen. You yeah, know. and that's, oh. I, you know, I put early in the introduction of the book, I just say, you know, you are, I want you to come away reading it, you know, for women reading it. You are unique, like God's made you, you know, you know, for a unique purpose, and yet, and you are not alone. Yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah. I, I, I'm hopeful this podcast will help uh, women to feel not alone. Yeah. As well. So that's yeah. one of the reasons, I mean, your book is great. Not only just telling your story, but also I think you do a good job of rooting being a, a woman leader and what that means for your marriage and what that means when you come up against life challenges, etc. But hmm. I, I wanted to say, I wanted to ask Angie, maybe what could you offer someone who's listening, who maybe feels challenged or stuck as a woman and their calling and how do I suss that out? Um, what 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 encouragement or advice would you offer? Counsel would you offer someone who's in that situation? In the stuck in the discerning or the living out? Well, I think both. So stuck in the discerning, maybe some. What is some of the wisdom you gained from uh, over your years as as being a leader and a woman in ministry? Let's let's do with discerning, and then and then I'll maybe ask a question about living it out. Okay, um, for the discerning, I think. Um, Really cultivating an ear for the Holy Spirit. I mean, like we talked about, there's so many voices saying what you can and can't and should and should not do, yes. you know, and um, and so learning to really tune tune out or to, I think tune in. I find that the more I'm in tune to the Holy Spirit and um, and identifying what that sounds like. And for me, there's no anxiety when I, with that voice, mm. you know, I, or fear, you know, um, and when I tune the, the louder that one is, then the other ones just kind of can drown out more and just kind of recognizing like, um, for me, I had to say, so I went to, for, I got my PhD at another seminary, which is very complimentary. And they, I was told in a class that it's a second tier heresy issue, whether you think women should be leaders. And so, like, wait, it was a second, major. Wait, second tier. I think they invented heresy? a category. That's that's yes. that's not a category the, of heresy, prof- as far as I'm concerned. I, there's a whole podcast <laughs> right. on how can you have a heresy that's second tier. 
second tier. Right. Isn't right. all heresy first tier? Yeah. <laughs> That's what makes it heresy. Not in this system. <laughs> Sorry. Not in this system. Right. And so, right. Right. And so as a second They just made that up. The, prof- the professor said, if if you think women can be leaders and like um, pastors and in the home, they said, said, I wouldn't say you're not a Christian, but dot, 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 and left open that possibility. Sure. And so. Um, but you might not of, be. <laughs> wow. Well, and yeah, well, and 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 so in that process, I realized in some of those professors and that system, that institution, I they claim to have truth, but I didn't see or smell Jesus in them. Yeah. And so I started following, like, or looking for people who looked like, smelled like Jesus. I mean, I know you talked about that in some of your deconstructing, you know, yeah. podcasts. And um, so, so really tuning and realizing there are multiple perspectives on this issue that sure. are, it's not a second or first tier heresy yeah. issue, no. you know? And, and so I think that de-escalated it for me and it wasn't, yeah. it didn't become this life or death. Like, Oh I my have, gosh, I'm going to hell if yeah, I don't believe I, the right thing or if I don't play long games. Yes, totally. You know, if I don't play thing. long and games, so, right. Yeah. And so the, so part of that is like, so t- finding what are the voices you're listening to and tuning in and out the right ones. And then yeah. also if you're discerning your call, I'd say like, try things on, you know, pay attention to like, I think our calling should be um, affirmed and confirmed in community, you know? And so yes. what are you being recognized for? Like, like people are saying, man, you're really good at this. And you realize it comes easily to you or you're passionate about it and not every. and you're going, why isn't everybody else mm. sharing this? And why mm. is this, you know, and that's because God put that unique passion and calling in your life. And that's yeah. why, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, and so just paying attention to where do you feel God's, you know, I feel his pleasure, you know, like, mm-hmm. Eric yeah. Little, you know, um, and, and where do I see like it, like God's using me. Like you feel the power, you know, God working through you and you feel like, man, I was made for this, you know, yep. I was more. For, so pay attention to that and what other people are, um, you know, affirming, affirming in you as well yeah. and asking other people. Yeah. Trusted voices again for that. So those are the, those are the two big ones. I think if you're trying to yeah. figure out and, and I just say, start being faithful where he puts you. And then, I mean, yep. I think if you're following him step by step, I mean, God wants us more than what we can do for him, you know? And so if you're cultivating that relationship with him, then he'll, you know, he'll show you the next step and the next step and and the next step. Yeah. You, you mentioned discerning God's voice and you've, you've mentioned this a few times now. This is a practice that's obviously important to you. And I think a lot of people tacitly agree with, yeah, you should listen for God's voice. But when push comes to shove or when rubber hits the road, there's a, there's maybe a fear or anxiety of, I don't know how to hear God's voice. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't, right? don't want to just trust whatever I want to do and think that's God's voice yeah. or whatever the authorities tell me is her- second-tier heresy. <laughs> is that God's voice, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But I hear you, I hear Angie, you mention a couple of things about that, and I wonder if you have more that you want to add. I hear, I hear you referencing kind of like, Paying attention to what stirs your heart, what opens your life, mm. where blessing and breakthrough flow, uh, where you and other people flourish, where the fruit of the Spirit are, are um, pronounced and apparent. So you're kind of looking for, like, where is abundant life happening? And that that could be a confirmation for your call, and that could be part of how God speaks. Are there other ways that you hear God speak in your life as it relates to discerning calling? 
Yes. I, I get, I do, it's not an audible voice, but I hear clear messages. Like there's words to it. Like some people I was talking with a friend, she said she has more of a sense or a sensation. Like I, and the way I describe it, and I'm pointing like to behind my, my ear. And to me, it's like a loud whisper that somebody's um, directing di- straight toward me. And I know it's like, there's nobody else around. So it's coming from something like outside yet inside myself. So it's not, um, and, and sometimes it's, you should do is you should do this, or this is what I've made you for. And other times it's, um, you know, sometimes hard stuff like, man, you really need to repent of, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this or that type of thing. And, um, yeah, there's a, there's, there's clear words to it and sentences to it, but it's not at all audible hmm. for me. But, and like I said, there's, if it's of God, I feel like complete peace and like settleness in it. There's no anxiety hmm. to it. Even if it's something that I go like, what, what, where? So I'll give an example. When I was still doing like, you know, really full-time hands-on youth ministry, I was at one of these big denominational conferences. I'm at this arena event and, um, you know, it's like the, the evening session and there's 3000 kids rocking out. And, and so it's like loud. I mean, I, and I'm like on staff, so I've got walkie talkie, you know, and stuff. And, and it's yeah. just like the place is rocking. And then I, this, this voice, and again, it's not audible. Um, I don't, feel, it's like a it thought. Yeah. It, yeah. But it, but there are words to it. Yeah. yeah and yeah. it's, but it doesn't feel like it originates, and I'm pointing at the top of my head, it doesn't feel like it comes out of my brain. It comes more like a whisper that goes more to my heart than just my head. Okay. Mm-hmm. And 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 God said, so I met this thing, and God says, this isn't you anymore. Huh. And I was like, what? Where'd that come from? You know? And yeah. so, and 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 God says, you've been faithful at this hands-on youth ministry thing, but I'm moving you into something new. And I was like, hmm. and and normally that's, I should have been like, wait, what, what, you know, all anxious. And I went, okay, yeah. what's next? And then God was quiet for several years hmm. after that. That's when I was kind of doing this like journaling at Barnes and Noble and yeah. we were in North Carolina, all that kind of thing. But um, so, and I, but I think a lot of contemporary evangelical Christians, we get freaked out by that because it's too mystical. It becomes too contemplative. It's like, it all comes through the Bible. You know, it should all come through. The Bible. And I yeah. think scripture it's never contrary to biblical principles or biblical right. truth, right. these things I'm getting. But um, sometimes in our, like when I'm leading a small group, I'll just we'll give an exercise and say in the next you know week or two before we get together, just sit and ask God to speak. Yeah. And, and that's a new exercise for most people. You know, it's like, well, I've got to do my Bible study. I write my answers. I'm like, no, just sit and listen. And that that's hard for some people. Yes. And, but what they come back with sometimes is, they're in tears. They're like mm. um, men and women. And they're, and so some of them say, um, I heard, you know, direction about something. Another one would say, God said, I am loved. I've never heard that before, mm. you know, kind of thing. Like it's this powerful thing about here's my relationship with God. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So That's really great. I, I appreciate you sharing that because I, I think it is something that um, I, I, I'm just, I'm, I feel convicted, I guess, as you're sharing that as a leader, I think I too often assume that people know what to do if I say, pray about that and see what the Lord wants to say to you. Um, and I think a lot of times people have some shame or some insecurity about that, where they're like, I, I don't know what, I don't know how to, dis, what, what would that look like? I don't know, even know what God would say, or I don't know what you're talking about. And so I think you describing it so phenomenologically uh, is really helpful. Um, yeah 
you know, I think God will speak to us in different ways, but just the, um, I found that to be true as well, that just the openness to Mm -hmm. like, if God is alive and God is present and God is working through his spirit, well, why would he not communicate with me? And, and he's not just communicating instructions, right? Directions. He's, right. He's also communicating his presence and his love and his, his withness to us, right? And so I've found that to be true for me as well, that in, in contemplation and in prayer, that it's oftentimes, you know, it's not specific instructions on, you know, which socks to wear today. Well, it's never been that. You know, I'm, I'm making a, I'm exaggerating to make a point. But, you know, it's, it's oftentimes just Sometimes it's not even words. Sometimes it's just a sense that, oh, yeah, okay, God's with me today. Um, And that's good. And sometimes we're focused on we want an answer to a particular thing, and God's like, that's not what I'm here to talk with you about today. You know? Yeah. 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 A couple of years ago, my husband, well, several years ago, my husband fasted for all of Lent, Uh and which, like, he's. Like, fasted for clearly of God. Like, food? Food. 40 days? For 40 days, he did. did he, he, went on, he, he, came, he went all JC on you. Yeah. He, I, know, he, I know. He came home and he said, I think I know what I'm supposed to do for Lent. And he had never practiced Lent. And so I was like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> right. And we were at a church that really didn't do a whole lot. And then he said, I think I'm supposed to give up food for 40 days. I'm like, well, then I that's of God. So he went, he would go for <laughs> prayer. So anytime he was hungry, he would walk and pray. Which So he prayed a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And wow. But one time he said, he went for a walk and he was like, Okay. Um, all right, God, I, I'm ready now. Talk to me, you know. Yeah, and yeah. and like he did this whole walk, and he's getting around the block and back to our house, and he's getting annoyed with God for mm-hmm. God not talking to him. And right, right as he's like coming to our driveway, God said, "Just because you're available now does not obligate me to speak to you on your <laughs> timetable." On your terms, yeah. 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 So That's yeah, funny. and so they was like, "Okay, I need to be, you know, present, obedient whenever God's mm. ready, not just uh, putting him on my time." Yeah. Yeah. Like here I am. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Almost like we treat it like it's a lever that get. It, yes. We want to stay yeah. in control of the situation. Yeah. So mm. yeah. anyway, I, but, I and appreciate I say, you that. Thanks. God. I mean, God created each of us uniquely, and so He also knows the ways we need to hear Him. Yeah. And what you know, and yeah. whether that's natural signs or supernatural thing. I mean, He. Yeah. You know, but we need to be attentive and present to that. Yeah. And I think that's it. I mean, to bring it back to what we've been talking about with your book and everything, too, I, I, w- I wonder if that is a really important uh, practice, maybe for, for, especially for if you're a woman and you're called to leadership in some way, or you think you might be, um, but you can't rely on the people around you or the authorities in your life to necessarily speak that to you and call that out of you. To validate that. To validate that. And so th- yeah. this, like, this can be a, a sense of like, a sure place where I know I'm going to have my identity and the truth of who I am spoken to me is in, is yeah. in prayer, you know, where, where I can trust yeah. the Lord to speak yes. to me. I also think it is important for people to find Absolutely. a community, though, right, to, to, to be able to validate. Um, and I, I just know this is hard because some women don't feel like they have this. But um, so that we don't fall into, I think the two ditches when you receive a word like you described, Angie, um, I think the two ditches are either we dismiss it out of hand. I don't know. I, just, I have no idea if that's really God or not. So I'm just, just to be safe, I'm going to pitch it, you know, just in case it's just me or whatever. Or we sort of grab hold of it and insist on it, like, and demand that other people kind of affirm it, you know, from us, that kind of thing. And I, I think the, the posture you're talking about is one of openness, 
where you can receive a word for like that, but you also hold it with a loose hand and you look for confirmation from those who Mm -hmm. love you and those who know you uh, to be able to affirm that in you. So that's that's why I think Mm -hmm. we need, we need a community if we're going to really hear from the Lord and uh, practice discernment. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, this yeah. is a, a happening in real time at our church, Angie. We have a number of women who are already leading in our church. They lead discipleship mm-hmm. groups. There's women who are on our preaching team. Um, there's women who are part of our, what we call vestry, which is kind yeah. of like a, a lay person elder board. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we also have women who are getting ordained, who are moving through an ordination pipeline, mm-hmm. a number of them, th- four-ish. Four, four or five. Four going on five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and depending on depending on the phase of discernment, we're flexing. Yeah, but right. uh, one, we had a me- and we had a meeting a couple days ago where I just said to them like, um, I don't think this process of you becoming a recognized ordained person is going to be easy for you. Mm-hmm. Not because not because of it's not because of you. It's because the process is developed by guys, and it's made for guys, and it's a it's tacitly accessible to women, but it doesn't there's going to be a lot of unintentional hurts you're going to suffer. And I said, um, don't take it personally. We've got your back. Yeah. And don't quit because this system will never change unless women actually have some authority to help shape it. Yeah. And I wonder, I don't know. I feel like every time I try to speak Mm -hmm. those kinds of things to a woman, I always feel super inadequate Uh, and like, gosh, there's so much stuff I want to give you. I don't think I can. I wonder, maybe for maybe you could do some pastoring here, even though <laughs> even though you're not a pastor, Angie. I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'm not a pastor by title. Okay, but by calling, yeah. amen. Yeah. Uh, no, so like, what what would you say to women who are in the process, maybe in ministry, who who feel stuck or discouraged, who feel uh, crushed, unseen? Like, what's some encouragement or counsel you could give them uh, to to press on? Uh. Well, I think you kind of touched on it and just, again, keep listening to the, keep listening to the right voices. I think also recognizing, um, like, uh, and I said this in the book, like our, the reality is that our God-given calling is lived out in human systems Hmm. and those human systems just by, by human nature are broken and, you know, and not perfect. And, and I think that helps deep, personalize as far as taking it so personally, you know, and questioning your, yourself kind of thing. And so, um, and, and I think it helps to have um, men and women like you saying, Hey, let's, it's, I know it's messy. Let's acknowledge the mess and have space for those conversations, you know, and to work through that. And we want to, to Mm -hmm. grow. Um, And I think sometimes, uh, you know, we, we want the system to be, perfect and smooth. And, and, you know, we already have so many self doubts. We want like, like we doubt so much. We want this clear path. And so then like our, you know, our obstacles, like something or a, a roadblock, is that an obstacle to overcome or is that a sign from God? You yes. know, it's like, how do we and know? There, yeah. And yeah. And there is no one easy answer to that. You know, yeah. I think that's why that walking closely with your community, with the yeah. trusted counsel, yeah. you know, and with, with God. And so are there times where it's like, you know, where you shake the dust off your feet and you say, mm-hmm. I need to go to a different system, or it's like, maybe you're the person to help bring the change and you're the bridge builder yeah. for that. Yeah. And, and maybe that's, and, and maybe sometimes you're the, the Moses who's 
you're going to die on Mount Nebo before you realize the fulfillment of the promised land, yes. you know, and we, wow. and that's hard. That's a hard, yeah. that is hard. I, I just want to commend though, your book to maybe women who are listening that are exploring leadership or feel like they're stuck or discouraging leadership. You've got in your book, you've got these little uh, sidebars and they happen all through the book of other women mm-hmm. speaking and naming things and like mm. describing their experience. And so like, I just got the picture as you were talking, Angie, that your book is, maybe your book can be for other women, kind of like that Elmbrook green room was for you. I hope so. Like your book could be, yeah. your book could be sort of like this validating, affirming, I'm with you. I see you. And even though they won't meet you yeah. and these other women, they can take courage, take heart from your story yes. and, and your teaching in here, which is really solid. Mm. Yes. I, I don't yeah. know. Is that fair to say? I, yeah. I, well, I've tried to make the teaching solid. And I, yeah, <laughs> like, I, don't want them to, I mean, yeah. Yeah. it's totally I solid. I don't think I have any first or second. I don't think I have any first or second tier heresy. I yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, Maybe I, not even any I third did, tier <laughs> heresy in that book. I ran it through my heresy checker. Yeah. yeah and yeah. Grammarly. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Grammarly. I, I, I'll also really say this too. And I think uh, more... I'll say this too. I commit it to men as mm-hmm. well because I, I, I don't think m- most of us have an awareness of the particular yeah. difficulties uh, that women face yes. in leadership because yes. of their gender. Not not because of their competency or calling or capacity, but almost primarily because and solely because of their gender. Yeah. And they and they bump up against these systems and we've been talking about this. And I, I think I think it's important to say like these systems weren't like uh like insidiously designed by men to exclude women, right? right. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's right, just, right. yeah, right. it's just part of it. Like, if you get a group of guys together, they're going to devise a system that works, you know, for them. And they're not going to really think about it. Right. I think it's really important. So from, from a woman's standpoint, Angie, I hear you saying, hey, if you bump up against obstacles, if things are discouraging for you, don't automatically assume that you're the problem, that your calling yes. is is not, you know, also hold the possibility that this system might be broken for women, you know, and that something needs to change there. And you can, you know, that might be part of what you're called to do is press into that uh, as painful as it is. You kind of bear up, you know, fill up the sufferings of Christ in that way. Um, But also I think if you're a man who's accompanying a woman along a process like this of, of discerning calling, I think, I think it's, it's helpful for men to also see Hey, the the obstacles that come up for women are going to be different, and they're going to mm. probably be more frequent. Don't let that make you doubt, sort of out of hand. Like, oh, maybe the reason you're having so many difficulties here is you're not really called to this. Like right. you, the men, I think that are involved in this in these systems also need to have their eye on the system yeah. and say, why is this harder for you than it was for me? Yeah. And is there something about our system that needs to change rather than? Um, you know, something about this woman that needs to change so that she runs through the system smoother. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think women just have a, uh, I think, you know, men, the calling usually and vocationally is more of a, a ladder. It's very clear next steps, you know, and it's like you're on this one, you kind yeah. of several ladders, you know, and women, it's more like a, a garden of there's certain parts that can be tended, need to be tended for certain times. And there's always a tension of feeling like if I do this, I'm neglecting this other part. And so uh, just being able to create space for those conversations, men and women with Mm -hmm. each other, you know, and so like you said, Ben, you know, and that reading, 
I just encourage men to read the book to just under get a new perspective of yes. what yep. it's like for sure. to be a yep. woman leader. Yep, I agree. That Amen. Empathy is so important. Angie, we appreciate you and your book. Uh, it's been nice living in the same city. We're going to miss you from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. uh, blessings on your journey to Denver. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And your uh, your husband now, is he going to be a house husband? Is he going to stay home <laughs> and uh, keep things pretty? He's a, a man of leisure, yes. A he's man of leisure? Play lawn, he's going to play lawn games. He's going to dress in white <laughs> yeah. and play lawn games? Yeah. Have tea yeah. parties? Yeah. Yeah, he's in the process with two churches out there right now okay. in the search. I don't know if either of those will work out. About about a month and a half ago, he said, and um, he said, God reminded him, Dave, you are not more called to ministry just because you're a pastor. Phew. Yeah, and he said, I would have never, I, I never would have said I held that belief anyway. But he said it was just kind of hmm. brought it home in a new way. It's like yeah. you know, and so. Um, yeah, and so we've learned a lot just navigating together to this whole journey. And where totally. he said, he said, this time you you go first. Totally. Kind of thing. And so he's been very That's supportive. Great. And and uh, and and you know, there's some people who are like, well, and so that messes too with people's. You know, this is not the model. You know, it's like the, the wife trails and kind of thing. And, yeah. Um, but we want us. We talk about having exclamation marks in front of both of our calling, not just one exclamation and one question mark. You know, kind of thing. And so working that out together has been a journey as well. Good. Well, it's, yeah. it's all part of it. It's all, it's yep. such yeah. good stuff. The book yep. again is called I'm a leader when women discover the joy of their calling by Angie Ward. Angie, how can people connect with you virtually? Are you, do you inhabit these uh, social media spaces at all? I I don't. Yes. I, I, I visit them from time to time. Now and go, if angieward.net is like my, my home base for everything. Okay, so that great. takes you to links to ordering the book on various places. It takes me, it takes you to social media. You can sign up for my weekly learning links email. That's, and you can connect with me there. Um, just that's the best way. All right. Yeah, we'll put angieword.net in the show notes. Obviously then the awesome. demon at Denver seminary is yeah. uh, automatically at, near the top of the list, if not the top of the list, because <laughs> right. uh, mm. you're the assistant director. Yep. Thank you for spending time with us today, Angie. Yep. Thank you for having me. It's yep. great to see you guys. Bless you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.